Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Thursday night football, back tonight. And I have to admit, it's kind of a weird matchup. A little bit weird. Normally, weird is good. And I would love to tell you that that's the case here, but it's probably not. It's probably not good. It's probably just weird. Pittsburgh at Minnesota. Yeah, I'm not saying that it's weird and not good, therefore I won't hit it. Watch it. They pay me to watch it. I'll watch it for sure. By the way, how are you going to play that game? Last I saw, it was minus three. Anyway, Pittsburgh, no, and no big head bet today. The head may privately get down, but we're not going to do a segment with him on that game. He will return tomorrow, and we'll hit five or six games going into the weekend. Anyway, tonight, Pittsburgh at Minnesota. You know, when the season started on paper, that looked good. That looked like a really interesting matchup. Now, not so much. You've got a couple of teams that are desperate for a dub. I mean, like, in the worst way. You've got enormous stakes tonight. Like, career-defining and possibly career-ending stakes tonight. Career-ending stakes. And before you send it, let me just get out in front of it, and I will write it for you. Get back to the huge stakes. How are they cooked? What do you have for sides? Signed, Luca and Zion. There, I did it for you. There's no need to do it. Put your phone down. Why don't we start with the Vikes? And why don't we just start with the fact that they're coming off a loss to the Lions, the Detroit Lions, the same Detroit Lions who were winless in their last 15 games coming in. Minnesota, a team with playoff aspirations, lost to the Detroit Lions. Not only lost to the Detroit Lions, but lost to them in the worst way imaginable with some truly horrible defense. Coached by a guy who is purportedly a defensive genius. First victory of the year on the line. Goff's got it. Back, looks, throws, and yes! caught. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. They did it. Armin Ross St. Brown in the receiving end. Oh, they're rushing the field. They've done it. Three zeros on the clock. This game is over. It's over. And how big is that? Oh, my goodness. Have a day, boys. Have a day. Oh, my goodness. So great. Have a day, boys. Have a day. I'll tell you what that was not, and I wish it were. That was not Vikings radio. Because if that were Vikings radio, you would have one pissed-off play-by-play man. No, that was... Go timeout. Have a day, boys. No, that was Lions radio. Let me be real about something. I'm not exactly sure how you come back from that. I don't really know how Mike Zimmer comes back from that. I don't know how that Vikings defense comes back from that. I don't know how their offense even comes back from that. Like, I know the Lions have no quit. I know the Lions try really hard. I know they battle. I do. But the emotional devastation of being the team to lose to the Lions has got to be huge. And then you've got former Vikings head coach. And by far, this is the best part about the whole thing. When former Vikes head coach Mike Tice jumped in. My man, Mike Tice, getting nice. Tweeting and then deleting this bomb. Quote, really? Effing Detroit. Even my sorry ass never lost to Detroit. End of tweet. Mike Tice getting nice. I'm telling you, I don't even care if the guy deleted it. You can't delete that brilliant tweet from my brain. You just can't. It's always going to be there. This dude's a legend. Yes, I know he was the same guy who got fined for scalping his own tickets. I understand that. Yes, I know he was the guy who was the head coach of the party boat. I know that too. I just don't care. In fact, not only do I not care, I miss this dude. Not only do I miss this dude, Mike Tice, the NFL needs more characters like that dude. And most of all, when I know what he tweeted, what he deleted, what he said, he's not wrong. 
That really is a brutal loss. That is a kick in the package for everybody wearing purple. That's the kind of thing that could cost Mike Zimmer his job. Now, let me say this about Mike Zimmer. This dude is tough as hell. This dude is still the author of the greatest quote ever when he was talking about his old boss, Bobby Petrino, who quit on the Falcons 13 games into the season. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, we know, Rome. We know. Yeah, we're going to hear about it again. Zimmer told the Cincinnati Inquirer when Petrino quit, quote, he's a gutless bastard. Quote that. I don't give a bleep. End of quote. When the newspaper said they could not print the word bastard, Zimmer said, quote, how about this? Gutless MFR. You can use that. End of quote. So what I'm saying is there's always going to be a place in the NFL for Mike Zimmer, except Minnesota might not be that place right now. As JLC reports, he may be wearing out guys with his, quote, caustic manner in the locker room. And that loss to the Lions really is hard to overcome. And that defense, which is supposed to be his specialty, looked pretty horrible and looks pretty horrible. Like, things are tenuous, right? There's a chance that if Minnesota loses tonight, he could be walking immediately. Like, ownership might give him the Lane Kiffin treatment and fire him right on the tarmac. Now, the good news is Dalvin Cook may go tonight. The bad news is Kirk Cousins is definitely going tonight. You see, because when it's Kirk Cousins playing at night in primetime, things are not good. Things get ugly. Like 8-17 and for his career in primetime. That ugly. I'm not sure what it is. I don't know if it's the spotlight. I don't know if it's the quality of the opposition. Whatever it is, it brings out the worst in Cousins on the big stage. And look, I know that wins are not exclusively a QB stat, but that is an ugly stat. 8-17 8-17 and 17 in primetime. Cousins has a lot riding on tonight's game and the rest of the season. And it's not just because he needs to throw for about a billion yards over the next five games to erase this from everybody's memory. Oh, he ran all the way yeah. over there to tell Jefferson we have to get five the Cole, take timeout. a timeout. Well, now Gotta he's take. behind Ole Udo. Gotta take Cole, timeout! timeout. And then he lined up behind Ole Udo. <laughs> Minnesota. They're second. Wow. 30-second timeout. I could do another 1,000 shows. I could do another 10,000 shows. This could be my last show. I could live another year. I could have lightning strike me today. I could live 50 more years. I'm here to tell you I will never, ever get tired of that guy yelling, Call timeout! Call timeout! And I understand the rage. That was an NFL quarterback lining up under the guard. A two-time Pro Bowl quarterback, and he's lining up under the guard in a really critical moment. That can't happen. And then he chases that. He did that. And then he chased it with a loss to the Detroit Lions. That really can't happen. Like, I don't care how bad your last two weeks have been. Nobody's had a worse two weeks than Kirk Cousins. And then on top of that, he's got one year left on his contract. So the team has to decide whether or not to extend him. If they fire Zimmer, that could also mean the end of the run for Cousins. So it really is a bind for the team, right? Because I'm saying all these things about Kirk Cousins, and they're not positive, but look at what he's done this year. 25 TDs and 3 INTs. That is the best quarterback-to-pick ratio in the NFL. And he's doing a much better job this year throwing the deep ball. So he's got that going for him, which would seem to be nice, except it really isn't. Because what's that gotten them? 5-7 and seven overall and a desperate scramble to get into the postseason. So if you were thinking of poning up huge bucks on a quarterback, would it be the guy who just lined up under the guard and then went out and lost to the Lions and is 5-7? and seven? But this is why the Vikings are in such a weird and bad spot. What's the alternative? Can you do better? Like, don't get me wrong, over the years, Cousins has probably taken more crap than he really deserves. But he certainly has given his critics a ton of ammo over the past two weeks. What I'm saying is, dude, best show up tonight. He has to show up tonight. In prime time, the time when he normally does not show up. And it sure doesn't help that three of the last five games of the season are in prime time. 
He is going to have to dominate something he has never dominated before in order to save his job and probably his coaches. So there's that. You hear all that and you're thinking probably, man, the Steelers, things got to be looking good, right? The Steelers must have a really nice edge, right? Let's let's not get into that just yet. Because as rough as the Vikings have it, they're going up against a quarterback who really seems like he does not want to play tonight. Check out Big Ben talking about what it's like getting ready for this game for him. Just have as many people help as you you can, you know, uh, chiropractors, masseuses, um, training staff, you know, getting in the pools and, and just doing whatever you can to get yourself ready. Everyone has to do this, it's, you know, throughout the year. I, I don't think anybody really likes it except for the NFL and all the money that they make. Um, players, just, it, it's tough. Uh, obviously, the back end of it is the benefit, right? The weekend, some some time off, but, and that only really feels good if you get the win. Um, but you just, you just got to find a way, really. Yeah, I get it. I understand it's tough. It really is tough to play a physical game against the Ravens and then come and run it back a few days later again. I understand that no player likes Thursday night games. But when you hear that description, that does not sound like an NFL quarterback talking. That sounds like some senior citizen in assisted care. Chiropractors, masseuses, training staff, getting into and out of pools. I half expected this guy to start advertising for a walk-in tub. One of those retractable beds, electric retractable beds that link letters all over. A stair lift, adult diapers. Man, you know dudes riding that chair up and down a staircase. You know that one chair that is attached to the handrail where somebody comes and puts a seatbelt on and he's riding up and down. Man, this dude sounds like a, like he needs a life alert bracelet, not a wristband. My man sounds like he'll be hitting that field on a motorized scooter. And I can get up. But he's got to show up huge tonight because the Steelers are on the outside looking in right now. You get a win, you get some rest, maybe you get some momentum, maybe you hit the postseason. What I'm saying is we've got a couple of desperate teams tonight, so let's hope that somehow, some way, that makes for a good game. But because it's a Thursday night game, it probably won't be. I know if it involves the Vikings. And I bet it, I will lose regardless of which team I pick. The Vikings are so unpredictable. They are so unpredictable. The Bengals think they're unpredictable. This is all I know. I will be jumping into my own adult diaper right before the game in the event that this game takes a big dump in its pants. You have a big dump in your pants. Because Thursday night matchups generally do. So if you want a visual, imagine me in my home office, in my adult diaper, watching that Thursday night matchup, not because I want to, but because I'm paid to do so, but knowing deep down that they may all take a big dump in their pants, and I want to be prepared when it happens. So are you craving some protein after a good workout? This time, do not make a shake or eat a bar. Reach for a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper. What's your beef? He is Will Brinson. Will, what's going on? How are you? Jim, what's going on, man? Great uh, great football Thursday. little loser leaves town game between the, the Vikings and the Steelers tonight. Can't there wait. you go. Well said. That's what I'm talking about. So you got the Steelers and Vikings tonight. you got a couple of teams, Will, that badly, badly need a win. Steelers coming off that win over the Ravens. The Vikings coming off a loss to the Lions. Let me start with the Vikes. What happened to Minnesota this year, Will? Uh, we need a we need a name for him, right? We can't go with the like the you know the cardiac cast, something like that for the Vikings, like the, the vesticular Vikings, or uh, however you would pronounce some sort of heart related thing. Hey, I mean, this is a team. This is a team that like I, I don't. They have the weirdest personality. They they have a questionable offensive line, and they don't really have a defense. They have kind of an elite passing game when they really want to operate it at maximum strength. 
Uh, losing Adam Thielen tonight, of course, not, not helpful. But K.J. Osborne's a pretty nice fill-in, and Tyler Conklin's uh, been a surprise revelation for them. The problem is Mike Zimmer wants to play football in the opposite of the – like his, he wants his identity to be the opposite of the Viking strength. The, the, he wants their identity to be their weaknesses. He wants to run the football. He wants to play defense. And I think what happens is they try to play that game – and then it, it doesn't work, so they're forced to sort of engage in these bizarre shootouts, and that's how – and then, you know, he, he doesn't lean into the strengths when they're trying to close games out, and what happens is they end up in this crazy – you know, nine of their 12 games have been decided on the final play of the game. That's insanity. 11 of their 12 games are one-score games, and, and I just think it's sort of a lack of cohesiveness between their talent and their, and their, and their, their strengths and what Mike Zimmer wants to do that's kind of created this super bizarre season for them. All right, so like there's a disconnect there, and there might even be a disconnect, according to JLC, between the coach and the locker room. Bottom line, Will, like what's the number you're seeing? Is it minus three? How are you playing that tonight? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think it opened Vikings minus three, minus 120. So it's, you know, it's like teetering on the, the precipice of getting to three and a half. But I think because of the Vikings season-long, you know, one score close game situation nobody wants to hand out a three and a half because it'll get gobbled up because you know you get the the, again the vikings come down to the last play i like minnesota here i think mainly because you're sort of buying low on the vikings after that loss uh against detroit and you're selling high against on the steelers who just had not their super bowl but man i mean they got up to that game against the ravens that was everything for them home dogs by four points they want to make sure they keep their season alive and I think this Vikings team is a little more desperate at home. Zimmer tends to the defense plays better there. I, I'm leaning Vikings, I, but I, you know I don't love it. I think my favorite play here is the first half under because both teams will sort of try and run the ball a ton early on, and then maybe start to throw the ball around in the second half. I actually think that what you say makes a lot of sense. Will Brinson is joining us. All right, Will. So what about Monday night? The Patriots beat the Bills in Buffalo. How big of a win was that for the Pats, and how bad of a loss was that for the Bills? I don't think it was as bad a loss for the Bills as the Bills think it is. I mean, Sean McDermott's out here trying to discredit Bill Belichick in a post-game press conference. Like, dude, you got your pants pulled down, and the guy ran the ball 46 times on you after he wore a Navy midshipman face mask leading into the game to just to let you know that he was going to run the ball a ton. And, you know, and you still missed out on it. I, I thought it was a massive game for the Patriots, though. You know, Belichick last year – down season, obviously, with COVID. They had the opt-outs, the salary cap issues. Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl in his face. Um, the, and the, really, the punctuating moment for them last year was the Bills coming into New England in Week 16 and beating the snot out of the Patriots. And, and like, saying, hey, look, I, I, I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad that, you know, you guys have had this division for 20 years. It's our division now. And then Belichick this year gets to roll right back, run the ball down their throats, you know, didn't beat up on them, but you're not just going to crush the Bills and remind them that this is his division and that he didn't win these championships just because of Tom Brady. So huge game for the Patriots. Sets him up for, you know, potential home field advantage. And the way they're running the football, um, I don't think there's a whole lot of teams in the AFC that want to go to Foxborough and try to stop them from pounding the ball down their throats. Will Brinson joining us. All right, so, Will, to that point, if, in fact, the Super Bowl is going to run through Foxborough, as you look around the AFC right now, who do you think would be the biggest challenge or the worst possible matchup for the Pats? Well, I mean, obviously the Chiefs are a team you don't want to play, but I think they can run on the Chiefs. I think you can run on Tennessee, and and they shouldn't have – uh, you know, won't likely have uh, a Derrick Henry back, although that would certainly change things. You can run on the Chargers. I mean, God, I, I think the answer might be the, the Colts, I, just because they're physical too, and, and it would end up being a, gr- a grinder of a game. Um, I would probably ultimately lean, I think, uh, Jim, towards just Kansas City or Buffalo, even though Buffalo's run defense uh, are clearly not very good over the last three weeks, just because they have that, high-end offensive upside with Mahomes and Josh Allen where, you know, you can be as good a defensive coach as you want and take away the best weapon on the team. But those teams have so many weapons, particularly Kansas City. We've seen them take out Belichick in the postseason before. So I think even though – I don't think there's a team in the AFC that's, like, built to beat the Patriots. I think the Patriots are built to beat all those teams – 
So I'm going to err on the side of, of talent and upside. We're talking to Will Brinson. You know, Will, last night I thought you had a really interesting tweet. You tweeted out a screenshot of quarterbacks with the fewest yards per attempt through 12 career starts. The list in order is Jimmy Clausen, Blaine Gabbert, Derek Carr, Trevor Lawrence, and Josh Rosen. The hell is Trevor Lawrence doing on that list? And what do you think when you see him grouped in with the rest? Yeah, shout out to our uh, CBS Sports HQ research team for that graphic, too, by the way. Um, I was stunned to see him on there when I was researching for our Picks podcast that we, we go live with 1 p.m. At a, on, a, on, on, a, on the Pick 6 podcast YouTube page. I mean, Lawrence has no business being on there, Jim. And I don't think it's a Trevor Lawrence thing. I think it's a Jaguars offensive line, Jaguars coaching staff, Jaguars mismanagement thing. And you see Blaine Gabbard on there. You know, he was a dinker and dunker in Missouri anyway. But Lawrence is someone who can stretch the field and – has a tremendous deep ball just in terms of accuracy and, and the velocity, the, the spin he can put on it. And, I, I mean, honestly, you hear quotes from Urban Meyer, not really about the quarterback, but about other things where there's this thing going on. Like, I, I'm attuned to all this because Pete Prisco, you know, I text threads with Pete Prisco. And he, 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 he's into Jacksonville stuff. But um, James Robinson was benched by the coaching staff tried to go back out on the field, and they were like, nah, 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 get, get the hell back on the sideline, like three or four times. And afterward, you know, afterwards, asked about it, Urban Meyer said, you know, I don't really, you know, that's not really my job responsibility to, to worry about what happens with the, uh, the running back usage. It's like, what? What are you talking about, Urban? That's, that's literally your job. 100%. So I think, yeah, I mean, like, you're the head coach. You're supposed to be the CEO. What, what, are you, what, what, do, what is it you do around here, to quote office space? I, and I, I just think that it's, it's concerning that the Jaguars could take this otherworldly talent and really just minimize what he does best and not allow him to flourish. And it's one of those things where you start to worry, are they going to botch this and, and ruin Trevor Lawrence? Because that would be a tremendous waste of talent. Oh, dude, I, 100% I'm on this. I have not gotten to it on the show yet, but that's a big part of my thought on that, that not only is Urban Meyer not built for it, not only is it not getting better, it's getting worse. You And I'm not looking ever to get somebody fired, Will, but you better get that guy the hell out of there before he wrecks his franchise quarterback and his best running back, who he, for whatever reason, does not know why he's not on the field. Will, I need to get your thoughts on this. And you and I could go on that topic for an hour, but I need to know this. As somebody who is from North Carolina, what did you make of Brian Kelly arriving in Louisiana <laughs> and suddenly becoming more Louisiana than Coach O himself? I mean, I get around, you know, I, I got some pretty de- Southern fam- family members, Jim, but I don't even talk to them like that when I'm, when I'm hanging out around them. And it, that is the biggest fraud move I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, he's, on the, he, so he's been in Louisiana 24 hours. He's like, I, and, and, and here's the real tell if you're a Southerner, too. He said, I have not even won all my games yet. It's like, no Southerner says have not or haven't. You say ain't. You got to say, I ain't even won all my games yet. Right. And, 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 and the, the way he says, family. It's like, it's exactly what you would expect somebody from Massachusetts whose father was a politician who then spent like, 12 years in, in Notre Dame, uh, courting Catholic, you know, student athletes. Uh, that's what you would expect him to sound like if he tried to talk in that voice. But here's my question, Jim. One, did anybody, did, like, did his family approve this accent before he went out to do that? Or did he just go rogue? And then two, now that he's done that, can he go back? Does he, does he just go back to normal? Has he been talking to his family in that voice for, for like six days? Is he talking to his friends and his recruits, his coaching staff? I, I, like, I need a Brian Kelly press conference. Like I need oxygen in my lungs. Man, it's such, these are such good points by you, and that's why I asked you that question. I really don't know. Where do you go from here? I mean, is that who he is right now? Did he really right. have that accent that took form that quickly? And, and how in the world did that guy – by the way, Will, we've talked about this too. Good coach. In fact, very good coach. He didn't need to do that. How did he think that was a good idea? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. He's like, I, I, I like to imagine he did film study, Jim, where he, he's like, he had like Ed Orgeron and, uh, and, and Les Miles, and he like brought up all their press conferences, and he's studying them. And he's not even listening to what they're saying. He's, he's trying to like get down the dialect. He's like, I'm, yeah, I'm just going to talk like this. And I mean, we're, I mean if, he, if he comes out like, I, 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 hope he, I hope he wins week one and he gets up there in that press conference. He's like, 
you know, my my daddy always said as I was as I was picking crawfish out the out the you know, where I, I, mean, I don't even know what to say. Like I don't even know what Louisiana dialect would be, but I want him referencing cr- crawfish boils and and talking about the bayou and acting like he's been there his entire life. I oh, I agree. Hey, Will, I think that I think that you're right. I think that he was in the dark room. I think he was breaking tape. I think he had the clicker. I think he was running Ed back and forth, back and forth. I think that he got off that plane with a jug, right, Alvy? Will Brinson is host of the Pick 6 podcast. It's the holidays and you deserve a gift, obviously. So how about a gift that keeps on giving you joy and comfort every single day all year long? A gift that looks as good as it feels. A gift that will actually pay for itself in terms of how much more productive you are at work. What am I talking about? Of course I'm talking about the gift of an X-chair I love mine. It is by far the most comfortable and ergonomic chair that I have ever used. And honestly, it is probably the coolest looking piece of furniture that I own. In fact, it is. Not only is X-Chair the world's greatest office chair, but with its patented LMAX technology, it doubles as a massage chair. And it can either cool or warm your back. Let me ask you this. Can your office chair do that? Doubt it. Now is the perfect time to purchase an X-Chair. Buy early, buy now. And here's X-Chair's holiday gift for you. Save $100 off your X-Chair just by purchasing it at xchairrome.com right now. That is the letter X, chair, R-O-M-E.com. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. Go to xchairrome.com and save. That's xchairrome.com. I do want to talk about the Jaguars, and I do love Urban Meyer. I mean, I really do. This guy's the absolute best. And by the absolute best, I mean pretty much the absolute worst. Because nobody's got this ability to create problems and distractions and controversy out of nothing the way Herb does. It's like a fire breaks out every single day around this dude. And then he tries to put out that fire with his gas can. You'd think a guy who has dealt with as much controversy as he has over the course of his career would know how to deal with controversy. But he doesn't. Instead of leading from the front and making everything better, he just passes the buck and makes everything worse. Like that time he skipped the team flight home so he could throw on his Ohio State pullover, go to the restaurant with his name on it, and party with co-eds. It was a horrible decision, right? We all have bad nights. We all make bad decisions. But if the guy had done what any leader would do, and just come out and owned it immediately, it would have gone away pretty quickly. It would have. But instead, he dragged it out with one dumb presser after another, like when he tried to sell this. They're trying to pull me out on the dance floor, screwing around, and I should have left. They tried to pull me out on the dance floor, screwing around, and I should have left. Like, I'm trying to understand the mindset. You know, are you just a pathological liar? And you just lie and you don't even know you're lying? Or do you lie because it always works and you work in these college towns and you know that essentially whatever you say, you can get away with it? You know, what's the mindset behind that? Well, whatever it was, like everything else that's happened since he took that job, it blew up in his face. Because he's out here trying to sell, they just tried to drag me out on the dance floor, man. I should have left it. I should have just left. Yeah, one hour later, an hour later, a video emerges that showed just the opposite of what he said happened. A video that, quote, appeared to show Meyer touching a woman's bottom. Buttocks. Buttocks. And then he made it 100 times worse by dragging his face of the franchise quarterback and number one pick overall and the biggest reason he took that job in the first place by dragging this guy when he had absolutely nothing to do with it at all. You know, I remember when Trevor told me he was going to go to Vegas for his bachelor party. I mean, I was just my gosh, man, be careful and surround yourself because I've seen this happen. I mean, the only decision worse than abandoning your team after a bad loss and staying behind and getting lap dances was chasing all of that by invoking the name of a young dude with impeccable character that would never do anything that stupid in the first place. 
But then, as always, Herb goes pyro. He sets this enormous fire, and then he douses it with kerosene by later claiming that he didn't have a team meeting to discuss it because, quote, he's not a big team meeting guy. So he owns nothing and addresses nothing because, quote, he's not about big team meetings or he's not a big team meeting guy. But then claims that he had talked about the trip in advance with the GM and then claimed he was doing it so he could get his family, quote, out of Dodge and clear their heads. He wanted to get his family. family. Again, nobody makes something out of nothing. That's something being bullcrap every time better than this guy. And he's doing it again. It's if dragging the franchise quarterback, the biggest reason he took that job in the first place, were not bad enough. Now he's doing it with his best offensive player, running back James Robinson. Robinson apparently got benched for 16 straight plays against Atlanta after fumbling. Then he was benched for 20 straight plays against the Rams on Sunday. The easy thing would be for Meyer to say he benched him because he fumbled. And then add that in hindsight. It was a stupid thing to do because he's my best player. But that's not what he did. After the Falcons game, Meyer said it was about Robinson dealing with injuries. And then after the Rams game, Meyer said he doesn't make the decision on something like that. It's actually up to Bernie Parmalee, the running backs coach. It's a hell of a move by the head coach, isn't it? Pass the buck. The buck stops with me. Hell no, it doesn't. Not when we lose, it doesn't. Nope. Ask the other guy. Hey, Herb, why is your best player and your running back not on the field? I don't know. I'm just the head coach. Why are you asking me? Go ask his position coach. You bench yourself. If you lay the ball on the ground, you come out for a few plays, and then it's up to the position coach and whoever to put you back in whenever that's time. And that's not... James, that's whomever. When the ball goes on the ground, you come back. Oh, all right. So you put the ball on the ground and you get benched. Okay. All right. Except for the fact that Carlos Hyde fumbled against the Rams and he was back on the field for the next drive. So I thought that when you put the ball on the field, you bench yourself. Hyde did. How come he didn't bench himself? And if the reason why Robinson was sitting against the Falcons was because of injuries, why was he back on the field getting carries in the final two minutes of a 30-point blowout loss to the Rams? How does that make sense? Answer, it doesn't. Nothing Perv says or does make sense to anybody other than Perv himself. I'll tell you what doesn't make sense to. And never mind me, what do I matter? I'll tell you what doesn't make sense to. His franchise quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. It doesn't make sense to him, or he would not be saying things like this publicly. My eyes, uh, obviously, I'm the one that's out there. See all the pieces moving. I see, you know, I see the whole picture. Bottom line is, James is one of our best players, and he's got to be on the field. And we addressed it, and I feel like we're in a good spot. And the whole team is, we're good. You know, whatever may have happened. I honestly don't even know everything that went into it. You know, I'm playing the game and stuff happens on the sideline with coaching decisions. I don't really get into that, but I know and I voice my opinion. James is one of our best players and he's got to be in the game. And I think we're all on the same page. So there's no confusion there. So we're just going to we're going to move forward. But I know James is a hell of a player, so I want him, I want him out there. James is a hell of a player and that's a hell of a take right there. I love that Trevor Lawrence straightened out the confusion that Trevor Lawrence set the coach straight. That Trevor Lawrence let Perv know what time it was. Hey, yo, Perv. I mean, at this point, he probably doesn't even coach him. He doesn't even, hey, hey, coach. It's like, hey, Perv, we need this guy out here. We're trying to win games here. I'm trying to help you save your job, Perv. Why is our best player not on the field? Let me ask you something. When was the last time you saw a rookie A rookie who, by the way, is struggling, and he's struggling because of the head coach. When was the last time you saw a rookie straight up call out and question a head coach publicly the way Lawrence just did? James is one of our best players, and he's got to be in the game. And And by the way, he's right. He's right. How bad is it that he felt like he had no choice but to do that, that he had to? Trevor Lawrence is the last guy in the world who wants to make any waves. 
but he sees this house burning down, burning to the ground. And he was not going to just sit there and not do anything about it or have the fire chief, Herb, come roaring in with his gas can to try to put that fire out. He wasn't going to sit back idly with Herb driving up in an oil tanker to try to put that fire out. Man, Lawrence has got to be like, man, I'm out here trying not to get killed on a weekly basis. And now what? Now I have to make personnel decisions as well? Now I've got to do my job and the coach's jobs as well? Perv actually said, I don't know why our best offensive player wasn't in the game. Go ask the position coach. Typical herb. Extreme disownership. Not on me. Nothing is. When in reality is, everything is. You're the bleeping head coach. You're the CEO. You're the head coach. If your best player is not on the field for a play or 20, aren't you going to find out why that is? Aren't you the one making the decision? Aren't you going to find out if the guy's hurt or not? And if he's not hurt, aren't you going to get his ass back on the field so you don't lose by 30 again? How the hell do you not know how long your best player has been out of a game? How the hell is that something you just leave up to the position coach? How the hell did anybody think that giving this guy an NFL head coaching job was a good idea? I got to tell you something. That is not a delegation of duties. That is a dereliction of duties. That's not doing your job. Or it's not paying attention. And then blaming somebody else instead of owning it. I, I don't think we need any more data points on this. Just another sign that Herb is in way over his head, that he's just not built for it, and it's getting worse by the week. I've never seen a more ill-suited guy for an NFL head coaching job than this guy. Steve Spurrier, who I love, the old ball coach. What up, ball coach? Spurrier was Joe Gibbs compared to this guy. Jim Zorn dropping a hip-hip hooray after games was like Bill Belichick compared to Herb. I want to say uh, three cheers for uh, for what we did. We accomplished a lot today, so it's going to be a hip hip, and I want to hooray. Yeah. Okay. Three cheers. Hip hip hooray. Hip hip hooray. Hip hip hooray. What two four six eight? Who do we appreciate? The Cowboys. The Cowboys didn't want any of that. And I mean, like Jim Tom Sula. Or Tom Jim Sula talking about jazzercise is Vince Lombardi next to Herb. We've all been a part of, of a team somewhere, whether it was a team negotiating a deal, whether it was a team playing a sport, whether it was a team, you know, a group, uh, a, a great uh, jazzercise <coughs> class or yoga class, or you know, there's there's always been that one. You've gone somewhere, and 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 you've walked out and said that was cool. Huh. What? Now I, I miss that dude. Anyway, Herb, like like I said, data points, data points. This is not one thing. This is not an aberration. This is not an anomaly. This is not a walk-off. This is the same as it was from the second he got hired. The same as it was when he hired that strength coach. The same that it was when he brought Tim Tebow in to play a position he had never played before. The same as it was after that co-ed incident. Hiring this guy was an enormous mistake. I'm not looking to get anybody fired, but this dude coaches like he's trying to get himself fired. So if firing him is inevitable and you know you have to do it and you're going to do it, why don't you just do it now and own your mistake, admit the mistake. It was a mistake. Cut your losses short and keep moving. And the reason why you would do that is because you don't want to let it get any worse. He's making it worse. Not better. And if this guy is going to leave in a body bag, the last thing you want to do is have him take Trevor Lawrence and James Robinson or whatever other talent he has with him, with him. Get this guy out of here before he wrecks Trevor Lawrence. Hope it's worth it because I know it's not. It's not worth it. I've never seen anything like this. A dude not even knowing that his best player wasn't on the field or for how long, and then saying, don't ask me, I'm the head coach. James is one of our best players, and he's got to be in the game. And And your rookie having to tell you what to do is something else. I want him out there. Dear James, 
I call him Keith Urban Meyer because he's as soft as Charmin and the song that he's singing sucks. Signed, Brett and Bugaha, perturbed Jim Robinson fantasy owner. Hey, man, that's not my problem, dude. Like, I've got no dog in this fight. I've got no investment in this fight. It's not personal. I'm just saying, I, I just can't believe that this guy can make that many mistakes. Let's take a moment and talk about WinBet, the latest and greatest sports betting app on the market. The same five-star hotel service that you know and love is now in the digital betting space, providing an elite sports book and digital casino app. Whether you're playing money lines for NFL Week 14, totals for College Football Week 15, or both, WinBet has you covered. Looking for other sports, WinBet has those too. It's all right there for you with your WinBet app. WinBet is also fully integrated with Win Rewards. That means by playing WinBet, you can accrue points to earn free credit in app and comp dollars towards perks at Win Resorts. Discounted hotel stays, priority dining and entertainment, free merchandise. It really is the best loyalty program in the industry. Call it a win-win. Whether playing from your phone or your computer, you have absolutely got to sign up for WinBet ASAP. Bet with the best. Get into the game. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Cole Holcomb is my guest. Cole, really good to have you on the show. Cole, how are you? Good, man. How's it going? Good, dude. Good, good. I know it's Cowboys week, but, and I know you're thinking about that, but can you go back for one minute and want to talk about that win over the Raiders? You were coming off a tough win over Seattle. You go on the road. You get a win on a field goal with less than 40 seconds to go. At the end of the game, what's going through your mind when Brian Johnson lines up for that kick? Oh, to be honest, I, I, was, I couldn't watch it. I was like, yeah, I, I think I've seen him kick maybe two, two kicks that that week so I was like I, I don't I don't really know him that well so I don't know how he's gonna do so I was I was nervous man and then he, he put it through the uprights and I was I was stoked man I was happy for him that's a great that's a great response actually Cole Holcomb is joining us in the third quarter you had a 7-3 lead you had five minutes to go and then you came up with a big pass breakup on what would have been a TD what did you see on that particular play and then how good did that feel to make that play in a critical moment uh, yeah, no, I, I know they, they like to take shots in the red zone. So, um, once I saw that back flare, I knew I had to push pretty hard to, to that new, that, that seam ball. Cause he's going to kind of keep it wide and try and keep it away from me. And, uh, and also keep it away from the corner. Who's got a, who's trying to overlap on it. And, uh, I just, I was just reading Carr's eyes and I saw him looking that way. So I started pushing that way. And then I was like, oh, I don't think he's like. I felt pretty good on the route, so I was like, I don't think he's gonna throw it. And then he started throwing. I was like, oh, he's 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 doing it. <laughs> and just trying to get up. Um, I, I would love to get the pick, but I'll take the PBU. You got it. Cole Holcomb is joining us. Cole, I'm curious, and if you can let me in on this, for instance, after the game, Ron Rivera made the point that the dick the team is gonna dictate to the opposition what it wants and what it decides. He then shouted for Jack Del Rio to come up and gave him a rock to throw up against the wall, knowing how the Raiders treated Jack back in the day. What did it feel like to get that win? Like, it's a team win. You're not doing it for one guy. But what did it feel like to get that win and to see him as fired up as he was? Oh, no, man, it was awesome. I mean, you know, with everything that went on, um, it felt, it always, it's always good when you go back and, like, like the Carolina win for Rivera, um, this one for, for Del Rio. Um there's always like that that special place in your heart. It's like I want to beat the team that I was formerly with and stuff like that. So we knew we were we were all happy for for Jack and super excited. And then you know he got to throw the stone. So we were we were all jacked up about it. We're talking to Cole Holcomb. You know, I thought that made that matchup really interesting, having that kind of dynamic, that element. But then again, i got to be honest, watching you guys play, it's always interesting because personally, man, I can't get enough of Taylor Heineke. Like, you might argue they're more gifted dudes. You might argue they're dudes with more pedigree. Say what you want, but, man, this guy balls out. And I've never seen a guy who's got a shorter memory. Like, it doesn't matter what happens. He always pops right up and is ready to make another play. What do you think? As a defensive player, what's it like for you to watch this guy do what he does the way he does it? See, I, like, this is, I, I feel like Taylor's like a defensive guy on offense. Like, you know, they always say with, with – 
you know, on defense, you got to have a short memory. You know, they're going to make plays. We're going to make plays. Um, and, um, like he just, he just has that defensive mentality. And like, he's just one of those dudes that like, you know, I want to hang out with when we're not doing football and, and, uh, like, like I said, like he, he threw that pick and he just he brushed it off, man. And then went and drove down the field, set up less, you know, great field position to kick that field goal and win the game. I think what you just said is really interesting. Like, that's the kind of dude that I want to hang out with when I'm not doing football. Look, it's a job. You guys are paid professionals. You're grown-ass men. You've got families. You've got responsibilities. Is there something to that, though? Like, when you say that that's a guy that not only do I like to play with, but I want to hang out with when we're not doing football, what do you mean by that, and why is that important? When you get guys like that, you know, like, you want to – like you want to you want to help him out, so it's like you're gonna play harder for for a guy like that, that you know like this dude lives, sleeps, eats ball. He's just one of the bros. Like he's he's not uptight. He's he's here to have fun and and, and win games and like I said, have fun doing it. It's not just oh we're winning and everything's militant. It's like we're gonna have we're gonna have we're gonna win and we're gonna have some fun doing it. And he wants to be on that stage, man. He wants to be there in that moment, right? That that's key. I don't. Who Absolutely. am I to say? But not everybody wants to be the guy in the moment, and that dude lives for it. Like he's not afraid of it at all. Yep. All right, Absolutely, so man. You, Cole, yeah, Cole. I'm sorry to interrupt you, I, because I got to ask you about this, dude. You, you've got a mullet, and it seems to me when you grow a mullet, you're a part of a small and elite club and fraternity. In your experience, how much power is there in the mullet? Uh, you know, I, I'd like to say it gives me like an extra, you know, like a plus five speed and agility on Madden. And, <laughs> um, you know, like the ball skills are probably up there. Definitely adds to the strength. You know, you just boosting the attributes up a little bit. No, it's, uh, it's, it freaking, it's, it's kind of grown a, grown a name for itself. It's like, everybody's like, who, like, if somebody asked about me, they're like, Cole Holcomb, like, why is that name? It's like, oh, yeah, the guy with the mullet. Oh, oh, yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about now. I'm like, okay. It's hilarious, right? Now. By the way, you know why? Because it's all true, if you ask me. I think, I think, I mean, I wish, I wish. Like, how did that first start? Obviously, your life has changed because the, your people identify you with it. In other words, is it a haircut or a lifestyle? It's kind of become a lifestyle, dude. It's, uh, I mean, it started out like my my fiance, her brother played at Virginia Tech, and he had this giant fro. It was like his bleach blonde afro that he had, and they they started like making cutouts and like they they on the on the big screen they'd like put his fro on people in the stands. So my, my fiance is like, you gotta, you gotta get a haircut that like stands out and like, you know, makes people like notice you and, and stuff like that. And I was like, uh, I got this Mohawk thing going. What if I just, you know, trim the top up a little bit and just let the back go. She's like, that's one way to do it. And then it kind of just, just got it started its own thing and got a name for itself. Dude, she sounds like she rules. Like, what a great idea. She's all about branding and imaging. Yeah. Hey, man, like, the football is important, but there's so much more to it. Like, how is she on X's and O's? Does she know the game really well? Uh, she she understands football, but when I try to, like, really explain it to her, I start losing her. Um, <laughs> we laugh about it all the time because she's like, I understand. She understands the basics, but, like, when I, when I start talking to her about our defense and stuff like that, she's like, you're speaking Chinese right now to me. I don't. I have no idea what you're saying. Yeah, but she understands the big picture, though, dude. She's got your Absolutely. brand. She's got your brand in mind. Cole Holcomb is joining us. Before you go, I think people who are familiar with your story know that you were a walk-on in North Carolina. But if we were to go back even further, when you were growing up, your high school coach Lance Jenkins said, "Quote: He was never given anything." I think that translated from father to son. Cole has always been a hard worker. End of quote. Like, what were you like as a high school football player? What kind of aspirations did you have way back then? Uh, I mean, I want, I wanted to go, I wanted to play college football. Um, you know, I had a lot of, hey, dude, are the cops I was, coming I was, for always, you? I was, I was, always, I was tiny. So like when I, until my senior year and then I broke my hand my senior year. So then I couldn't, I didn't have any film to show. Like in two months I grew like four inches and put on like 45 pounds and could move around and, and only played like four games at linebacker. So I didn't have much film to show. So I did, he was like, you just, you gotta, you gotta work your butt off in practice because there's guys 
you know, we have scouts coming for, we, I had teammates who were all like, you know, going deep division one. So we, we'd have Ohio state, we'd have Wisconsin, we had Florida state, all the, all these teams coming to see these guys. You know, you just got to show up and practice. Like for every practice is your game day. And I remember I was, we were doing like gassers at the end of practice. And I kept, I was trying to be my, he's my best friend. His name was Dakota Dixon and he was, he played at Wisconsin and I was, I, I had to beat him in every single one. And it was the last one. And I was like, I felt like I was about to throw up and I was like, man, I just got to beat him for one more. And I, so I beat him and then I throw up everywhere. And I'm like, man, I really hope these scouts didn't see that. And then I'm, I'm sitting in my Jeep and this dude from Duke, his name is Jim Collins. He's like, Hey, do you ever need any help? Just give me a call. Gives me his number. I called him up. He said they didn't have any walk on spots. Um, they're like, at first I was going to go to Duke and he's like, yeah. And then they ran out of their spots and he's like, Hey, I got a buddy in North Carolina who I'm going to put you on with and, and um, see if you can't get your walk on spot there. And then that guy was Dan dish. And then the rest is history. By the way, that is a great, great story. For those who had not heard that story, that's a great football story. I love that. Last thought, Cowboys head coach Cole, Mike McCarthy, said this morning, quote, we know what people think of us. We know who we are and where we are. We're going to win this game. I'm confident about that, end of quote. What's your reaction to that statement? Yeah, man, I mean, it's it's an interesting thing. I mean, we're going to – man, we're going to – we're going to show up on Sunday and play football, man. That's what we're going to do. You, you kind of checked yourself, right? You, you were going to respond the way you wanted to respond, and then you just kind of decided that we're going to show up and play football and do what we do, right? No, man. It's, it's you know, Bear's been preaching all week, you know, let him handle the interesting things. Um, it's, it's, it's us playing football. Mike, Mike can say what he wants, and, but it's, you know, it's the players that got to go out there and strap it up and play football, so. So we're going to do on Sunday. I respect it. Dallas is at Washington on Sunday. You got a little bulletin board material. Hey, by the way, is that stuff work like bulletin board material? Is that something the media talks about and the fans get caught up in? Or do you guys see that and can guys run off that? No, nah, I don't. Uh, we don't really pay attention to it, honestly. I figured. I figured. Dallas at Washington. Cole Holcomb is having a huge year, over 100 tackles and a great conversation. Cole, appreciate you, man. That was fun. Good luck this weekend. Thanks for having me. Jordan Hicks is my guest. Jordan, great to have you on. How are you? Great. How's it going? Good, dude. Good. Great to have you on. Let me ask you, you're having a huge year this year, and you're coming off arguably your best game of the season against Chicago. I want to know, like, did you feel like you got into a zone, you know, that, that elusive flow state that elite players are looking for, or was it just a normal game and things came into place, fell into place? Yeah, you know it honestly it was one of those type of games where things just started falling into place. Actually, the first half of the game felt a little slow for me, just being on the front side of plays, cutting back, and uh, you know not getting much action. A lot of it came second half, um, and it just just was guys doing their job. You know that's all I was focused on is is making the plays that come to me. We're talking to Jordan Hicks. I understand already from that answer that you're not going to make it about you, but the fact is you were named NFC Defensive Player of the Week. And then Chandler Jones said, quote, you're the heart of the defense. He's going to show up and he's going to ball every Sunday. And one thing I will put my word on is that that's what he's going to do. End of quote. That's a direct quote from Chandler Jones. It seems to me that's a pretty elite dude on a defense with a lot of playmakers saying that you're the heart of the defense. What's it mean to you to hear that? Yeah, that's high praise. You know, I I play this game for respect. Um, you know, respect for obviously myself, for my family, um, and you know, to hear guys like that. You know, arguably one of the the best pass rushers in the league, um, best one of the best players on on obviously this team. He is uh, a leader within himself. So, you know, to have that type of praise from a guy like that and, and from guys around the league is is you know really what I play this game for. Jordan Hicks joining us. You know, you just said, I play for respect. I play for respect for myself. I play for respect for my family. That's really interesting because I was going to ask you about something you also told The Athletic. You said that you've asked yourself questions like, who do you want to be? How do you want to be remembered? How do you want your kids to see you? At the end of the day, what do you represent? To me, Jordan, this is pretty heady stuff. Like, I love that stuff. This is some legacy stuff right there. Like, how would you answer those questions? Yeah, you know, I, I went through a tough time this off season, um, not knowing if I was going to be here, not knowing if you know I was going to have an opportunity to to showcase what I have, um, and you know, 
at those in those tough moments, you have to to look yourself in the in the mirror and say, um, ask yourself those questions, you know. And and that's what I did. And you know, I decided that the person that I wanted to to be and um, you know to to represent as a man, as as a father, as a as a husband, is somebody who goes to work every day, no matter the circumstance. Uh, puts in the work and and gives it gives it all he has. So uh, you know if I'm if that's what I'm going to be asking my kids to do uh, when they get older, you know I've got to I got to show them and and give them a, that example. So uh, those are the questions, and that was the answer. I like that. Jordan Hicks joining us. I just want to elaborate on that really quickly. Like in the offseason, the story had been that the team told you that you would not be the starter this year and that you were free to seek a trade. Isaiah Simmons said you didn't hear him complaining. He easily could have come in here and said he had, quote, an injury. You know how that goes. End of quote. I mean, and I mean this respectfully, did that ever enter your mind to kind of go that way? Like, how did you get through that and process that whole thing? Yeah, no, not not to not to you know obviously having phantom in injury or anything like that. That that never crossed my mind. That's not the the person that I am. Um, you know, I was able to get through it with good people around me. Uh, honestly, you know, I've got great support system uh, in my family and my wife. Um, you know, I've got pastors that I, I consulted and my agent. Uh, you know, guys that I, I surround myself with, my team that uh, really. Uh, I trust in those moments, and um, you know, in those those situations, I put them I put them there for that reason, and they gave me great advice. We're talking to Jordan Hicks, absolutely. And then you went out and you took advantage of it. It's the fourth time that a player on that defense has been named Defensive Player of the Week this season. That's a huge number. I mean, there was so much focus on the offense coming in. What's it say about how good the defense is that you guys keep racking up the awards the way you have been? Yeah, you know, it it shows the guys are are making plays. And um, you know that's what that's what really good defenses do is they not only uh, have the right scheme and understand the scheme, but when the time is it comes for them to execute and make the play that that we're doing it. And you know we wouldn't be able to to have the type of opportunity to do that if our offense wasn't out there scoring points and putting putting points up on the board. So it's complimentary for sure. You know if the offense isn't isn't rolling, you know we've got our hands full. And so um, you know it's it's definitely a team award. All right, so you have already won a Super Bowl championship. You've been on some really good teams. You know what it takes to go the distance. I'm kind of curious. Like, it seems like there's something really special going on. As a team, do you talk about how good this team can be and talk about those long-range goals and opportunities, or does that just not come up and are guys just coming in and punching the clock every single day? Yeah, at this point, it's it's punch the clock. You know, we we haven't, in our eyes, accomplished really anything. You know, obviously, we're, we've we've – uh, been good up to this point, but it's not not about how good we've been. It's about how good we can be. And so, you know, right now it's it's about uh, refining the mistakes, you know, minimizing those, uh, and going out and getting better each week during you know the month of December and January, so that when the time comes, we're peaking. So it seems to me like the way you laid that out about how you approach the off season and then what you did to get through this whole thing, like, are you looking to prove people wrong or are you looking to prove people right? What's a stronger motivation for you? That's a great question, man. Um, This, this off season was definitely to prove people wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and, and it's, 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 again, it's about respect for me. You know, I've, I, I hold that, higher than anything uh, at this moment and, 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 you know, in life right now. So to me, that's what it's about. And feeling disrespected through the off, off season, um, you know, that it definitely was about proving people wrong. Jordan, I can tell that's not a word that you take lightly or you throw around lightly. That's, that's a word that means something to you. Like when you look at people both either on the field, off the field in life, like who are the types of people you respect most? Yeah, the people who um, – are able to push through, you know, and, and, uh, make tough decisions, have hard conversations. Um, you know, that it it is the easy way to, to, it's easy to, to not have, but the tough part is having the conversations or doing the tough things that, um, get you to the other side. Um, you know, and, and, and people who try to think things through and understand, uh, every angle, um, you know, and, and aren't led by emotion, but led by, uh, you know, their brain and, and by sound decisions. And, um, you know, that's a complex question, but hopefully that's, you know, that, that kind of sums up, gives you a, a 
a picture. Uh, I don't want to make it sound like it's only you and I having this conversation, but I know exactly what you're talking about. What you're saying to me is choose hard because everything good is on the other side of hard and standard over feelings, mind over feelings. It doesn't matter how you feel. Just do it, right? That's what you're saying. Absolutely. I know you're talking about. I see you working. You know, you also continue to be a mentor. We're talking to Jordan Hicks for another couple of minutes. You're a mentor for young guys. I'm curious, when you first came in, you played with D'Amico Ryans, who has enormous respect around the league. What did you learn from him? Man, D'Amico could have uh, written me off as, as the guy coming in to take his spot or um, just the young rookie who, you know, he didn't need to mentor, but he took me under his wing. And, um, you know, he... he helped teach me the game. Um, he helped teach me, he, he helped teach me about being a pro watching film, taking good notes, right? Um, everything that comes along with the game of football, things that, that you would think about and things that you wouldn't think about. And so, you know, he, he was always a, an open door and actually still to this day is still, you know, open for me to, to ask him any questions. So, you know, again, you know, this offseason, I put myself in that situation and how I, how I was going to respond and saw, you know, how I was I was taken in. And so uh, I've always I've always thought about giving that back and, and, you know, showing that example to guys, because a lot of times as a young rookie, you come in unsure how the locker room's going to be hearing the horror stories of guys not giving you the call or this or that. And that's the last thing I want to be for these guys. God, isn't it so weird, right? Because it's it is what it is, right? It's so ruthless, and guys have to watch their own back, but it's counterintuitive, right? Because if you're only worried about yourself, how can you win as a team? Like, how Absolutely. do you how do you reconcile that? How do you navigate that? How does that work in an NFL locker room? Yeah, I find myself, uh, if I can teach it, it, it makes me better, right? And so I've always I've always thought, you know, if I'm, if I'm able to coach it and I'm able to teach it to somebody else, you know, that gives me the advantage at the end of the day because I know exactly what I'm doing. So finally, let me ask you this. Your former Eagles teammate, Zach Ertz, is now with the team. I thought that was kind of curious at the time because you think that maybe there's not going to be a lot of use usage of the tight end, but you know what he's about. What's he bring to the locker room, and what's it been like to have him around again? Yeah, he is. he's an awesome person, awesome player. Um, he is as, as type A and as uh, organized and work uh, oriented as they come, you know, and that's what he, that's what he brings. He's in every day, super early. He's here late. He's studying, you know, the first day he was here, he had flashcards rolling on the call, on the calls. And, um, you know, he brings a work ethic, a leadership and, you know, another veteran presence that that's seen it done the right way. So, uh, the more the merrier in that, in that aspect. Uh, Jordan, I get the sense I got 60 seconds, but I think that people now understand, right? The cards are not a team with a few studs. This is a really good all around team on both sides of the ball with a lot of character. Do you think that's an apt description? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, it was built that way. And so, you know, we hope people keep sleeping on us. Uh, we like being an underdog, but, um, you know, we, we understand what we have in this locker room. Yeah, dude, hard to be when you've got the best record in the NFL and a big matchup on Monday night, Rams at Cards, Arizona Cardinals linebacker. He is your NFC Defensive Player of the Week, Jordan Hicks. Jordan, really, really appreciate you and that conversation. Thanks for doing that with us. Thanks for having me. I kind of called him out, and here he is. Let's go to L.A. Matt in L.A. What's going on, Matt? Snagger at the four, in and out, softball. Thanks for the vine. Hey, real quick, Rome Slice, I'm the chew. The chicken man is underrated. I love when the local Raising Canes, you know the one that just opened up on Main Street Highway USA, calls in this San Diego chicken knockoff, spitting that stupid arrow to the drive through where a thousand of Wells in the 1080s friends are waiting two hours for like 10 chicken tenders that take two minutes to make. But the chicken man is hands down a better sell than his counterparts, the 25-foot-tall gorilla and the flaming arms blow up. So we're here. We're in agreement. But that's not why I called, Jim. I called because the first time since the Montreal Expos were poised to bring Canada their third World Series title in four years, when Glenn Rice was batting 394 in the August of 9-4 for the San Diego Pod Squad pre-Caminiti RIP. MLB owners... And MLBPA is on the same path as the lockout of MLB 94. And it's official. So memo to Tony the Tiger Clark 
and Bobbert Manfred. Don't drag out these negotiations like Bobby Petrino's face across the Southern State Roadway. That's all I got, Jimmy. Outro. My man, Matt in L.A. Let's go to Fresno. Mikey in Fresno. You did it, Mikey. What's going on? How are you? Hemp in the box. I know the background noise is difficult. I'm in a truck. Some clones after work. Listen, bulletin board material matters. They said that they beat the Yankees in five, so Jeter took the Mets' comments, put it in everybody's locker, gave them game one, proceeded to hit a bomb on the first pitch in game two, and the rest is history. It matters. It always matters. That's why Tom Brady tells everybody that the New England Patriots are the best football team combined because he knows they're going to probably play him in the Super Bowl. I don't know that. I hope not. But, look, I'm going to keep it short. War, 60-minute rides on Peloton with Kendall. And War Fresno, Jimmy. Don't let him hate us. The pimp, I'm out. I like it. Nice job, Mikey. You were right about that, Chalk. That worked. Nothing wrong with Fresno. Nothing wrong with Central Cali. Good night.